0: Without further ado, we're gonna invite Marvin Sapp, the, uh, the uh, Grammy Award uh, nominee, multi-grammy award nominee, and Hezekiah Walker, who has won two Grammys himself. Give it up.
1: What's up, everybody? Before we do anything, can we clap our hands and give God a praise, everybody? Yeah, God is worthy of praise. I'm Hezekiah Walker, and I am so excited to be here. And uh, I am more excited because I'm here with Marvin Sapp himself. Oh, man. Y'all, let's give Marvin Sapp a hand. (laughs) I'm so excited. Marvin, listen. This has been a great time for you. This is a great season for you. Um, many CDs um, in years past just has blessed me, but I am telling you, this CD that is about to hit the streets, man, man, it is just phenomenal.
2: Well, you know, I'm, I'm so appreciative that uh, you know I have this opportunity to uh, be able to be here and have this podcast as well. But I mean, I, I thank God for you know, three successful projects. You know, we started off with Thirsty. Uh, Here I am, now I win. And, you know, hopefully the people will, you know, be encouraged and gravitate to that record just as they've done the other two.
1: Let's talk about, I mean, you know, because a lot of people don't know, uh, uh, before these three last uh, CDs, let's talk about the days of commission. Let's talk about the days before commission.
2: Oh, goodness. Uh, I started out, you know, uh, in commission in 1990, and it was so mind blowing as I was fresh out of college and I ended up uh, being a part of the group. And actually, one of the individuals that is one of the founding members of the group is actually here with me right now. That's Michael Williams, uh, yeah. original drummer for commission, and he's like my role manager and my sound guy. And, and so, we started in commission, but even before that, you know, we're just very faithful and connected to my local church and uh, sang in the local gospel choir, and, and that's how I got discovered. You know, Fred Hammond saw me, um, asked me to pack my bags and move to Detroit, and I packed up and moved to Detroit, and the rest is history. I've been here now some 22 years, and this is Let me is my- just say this.
1: When they finally picked you for commission, because they was looking at several people, when they picked you, man, I went crazy. I
2: couldn't believe it, you know, because I was young and everybody. I always tell the truth. They are all much older than me. I'm gonna put that out there because I'm tired of people telling me I grew up listening to y'all, and Uh. and they all got me by five or ten years. Right, right, right. You know, it was it was a great season. You know, I spent six years with the group. You know, Fred left, and then you know I stuck around for a little while longer, and then. You know, I went off and went solo, and I mean, it's been it's been a great ride. You know, nine records. You know, a lot of people, you know, think that you know I just jumped on the scene with, mm-hmm. with uh, you know Thirsty never would have made it, and that was three CDs ago. But you know, I had six before that. That's and, right. And, it, and you know, when you when you're plugging away and really trying to do things at another level, you just you just remain diligent. And uh, if you st- if you do, the rest of your days will be the best of your days. How was the transition from commission to Marvin Sacks? It was lonely, man, because you and you're accustomed to being on a group and being in a group. You know, you're you're on the stage with a bunch of different individuals, and you can be lazy. I mean, really, like if you don't feel like singing hard, you don't have to. You know, you can always rely on somebody else. So you always have somebody there to be that support system. But but when you are a solo artist, ain't nobody to help you but you. And um, when I got out there, you know, I was very nervous. You know, I knew that I was charismatic, and and I knew how to, you know, handle the stage simply because, you know, I learned it in the group. Um, but still, you know, there was nobody there that I can lean on, that you know, I was hoarse or, or anything like that. So I had to learn how to fight through, struggle through, and sing through it. And you know, it's it's been great now. You know, now that uh, I've done it now for sixteen years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 great, but before, boy, it was it was difficult.
1: Let's talk about this CD that's just about to drop. Mm-hmm. Everybody's anticipating. I'm anticipating, and so many people are talking about it. Let's talk about
2: I Win. Well, you know, I Win is is just that. You know, I it's, it, it is no secret that I went through like one of the most traumatic times that an individual can go through almost two years ago, and going through the challenge. Of burying a wife, somebody I met in the third grade, um, and, and Bishop Walker, you knew my wife. You know, uh, we've been coming around here for years. I mean, you remember uh, me coming and actually preaching for your anniversary when my son my was very, like about my very, very first, first year anniversary, anniversary. first yeah. year, and uh, my son was as like, a pastor. As a pastor, as that's a pastor. right. And my son was like maybe two or three months old, that's and right. we was like, you know, in a taxi. So, so you know, we were very, very close, and. Um, to lose somebody that close to you that you really love and plan on spending the rest of your life with is it, very traumatic. But what ended up happening was is that you know, I had to learn that being a winner is more than just crossing the finish line. It's not how fast you cross the finish line. It's that you cross the finish line. And being a winner is, 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 is a mentality. It's a mindset. So even though you know, I felt victimized, uh, I still understood that you know, I was a winner. I was an overcomer. So when I say I win, what I'm saying in essence is is that no matter all, in spite of all the stuff that I've had to endure, go through, all the challenges I had to face, uh, the truth is is that I realize more than anything else that because I'm still in my right mind after all I've been through, that means that the devil lost and I win. So that's what
1: that's all about. Wow. I, I really want to ask you this. This is uh, more so a personal question because um, while your wife was battling battling with her sickness, um, I would watch her and I would watch you and you always had some encouraging words to say um, to her and even to all of us. And um, I used to sit back and say, I don't know how he's doing it. And his, his wife is, is battling with the sickness and she might just die, but He's always preaching. He's always on the road. He's always encouraging someone. Even throughout the last part of her life, you were actually still doing the same thing that I saw you do when we first found out that she was sick. Uh, doing that journey, and even after the journey, you kept on preaching, kept on singing. But were, did you ever get angry with God? You know, I, I never, I never got angry with God. I,
2: I was disappointed. And not only was I disappointed, but I was, I was like befuddled and bewildered because, you know, I've been in services where I've laid hands on the sick and they've recovered. And I've been in services as I've traveled with with, with Pastor Benny Hinn where I've seen miracles wrought. So, you know, I understand the miracle working power of God. And, you know, my wife used to say to me all the time, whatever you ask God for, he gives it to you. I don't understand it. So I stopped every hour upon the hour, every day. And I would just pause for about five minutes or less and say, God, just heal my wife, that's all I want.
1: And you, and you, and you know, Pastor, this is why I'm asking because, I mean, we see miracles every day. Right, we do. And you pray, and I've, I've, I've actually witnessed people on your prayer line, and I'm sure people walked away healed. And I'm saying to myself, this man pray for people, people that's it. get healed, but yet, seemingly, his wife is not being healed. No.
2: So you end up saying, you know, after everything was all done and when she had passed, you know, I stood at my my wife's bedside because she passed away at my house. And I just kept saying over and over and over again, God, you got to make this make sense because this doesn't make sense to me because I don't have a conventional job. You know, my job is to sing and to preach the gospel. And I travel and I got three kids, teenagers, 18, 15 and 13. And, you know, my wife was the stability of my home. So now, I'm in a place where the person that was the stability of our home is no longer here, and I got to rely on people so that I can still do what you've called me to do. And what ended up happening is, is I had to make peace with the fact that God is sovereign. Mm. And that's that's a mind-blowing thing, to understand the sovereignty of God, you know, because That means that he does as he wills. And when you recognize that God does as he wills, you just have to accept his will for your life. And, um, you know, I I got to a place where I wasn't angry, but I I felt like quitting. Matter of fact, I I literally put together a letter of resignation to my church, and all I wanted to do was focus on my kids. I wasn't going to record no more any of that. And um, one day I was in the car just really crying and driving and I had to pull over because I just couldn't take it no more and I just kept saying God why would you let this happen to me I said I, I can't do all this by myself my wife managed my career she managed all of our businesses she took care of the house she paid all of the bills she took care of the kids because you can't do all that in travel you can't not, you know I could not be on the road trying to write checks for the light bill you know I had to have somebody at the you know what I'm saying so you know she did all of that stuff and now the person that took care of everything is gone, and now I have to do it all by myself. And I just kept telling God, I can't do this by myself. I can't do this by myself. And, and God spoke to me so clearly, Bishop. He said these words. He said, Marvin, you've never done it by yourself. He said, before there was three of us, now there's two of us, and I got you. And I dried my eyes, and I drove to my church, and I ripped up my letter of resignation, and my church is growing, and things are happening, and we're doing great, great things for the kingdom of God. My businesses are thriving. Um, you know, everything that uh, I was thought I couldn't do, I'm able to do now. Thank God. The way banking works now, that you can set it up on online, and they'll pay your bills for you. I, I, y'all, y'all understand the blessing of this, you know. So, so your yeah, iPhone apps, amen. Apps, apps. <laughs> Uh, on iTunes, iTunes, amen, iTunes. Amen. Okay. Uh, so I mean, so there's some major blessings. Again, you know, I'm lonely. I ain't gonna make. I'm not gonna act like I'm not. Um, I miss that companionship that I had because it was amazing. Um, Do you think you will ever get married again? I got to. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna be honest. I I, I got to get married again, and the reason why I have to is because you have to know yourself. Yeah. And I want to be saved, so, you know. (laughs) And so, yeah, I'm going to have to get married again. But I ain't in no hurry, you know, because I was married. And I think the reason why I want to be married again, because I think fidelity and commitment is a gift.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. And um, it's in my DNA. Uh, That's good. That's good. So, you know. um, It's some
1: real good stuff.
2: Because it's in my DNA. Um, I, I want to find somebody that I can take care of and spend the rest of my life with. Because I think that's, that's how God designed it. It's not good for man to be alone. And uh, so I ain't in no hurry because, um, you know, again, I was married my whole adult life from the ages, from the age of 23 to 43, I was married. Um, and I'm 45 now. But um, so I'm trying to, you know, navigate through this single thing. Mm-hmm. It's It's strange. I hate it because um, well praise the lord praise the lord praise mm-hmm. the lord <laughs> y'all want to hear me saying no, child, yeah. that's it.
1: <laughs> well listen after all that you've been through and now you have come to i win i win and and that 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 is that is amazing um even when it looks like we're losing we're still winning that's it that's we are it. on the winning side. So now tell us about this, I Win. Tell us about the songs and what are you at- anticipating?
2: Well, I mean, there's some great songs on the record. Um, I think the, the, the whole premise and gist of the record is that it's a wonderful collage of songs that really speaks to the whole concept of being a winner. Um, things that we need to do in order to be winners. Um, one of the songs I'm going to sing tonight is called Teach My Hands to War. It's like a, a real go-go type praise and worship tune. There's another song on there that calls Never, you know, how God has never let us down in spite of all the things that we've done. He's always been around. Uh, another song on there called Keep It Moving. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, no matter what you face in your life, that your goal ought to be not to stop because momentum, forward momentum, is a positive thing. Um, so, you know, we're just trying to deliver music that really encourages and motivates the body and the believer to understand that, As long as they're moving, as long as they're they're progressing,
1: as long as they're going forward, they're winning. Listen, what we're going to do, let's open up the floor for some questions. Cool. So if you have any questions, we want you to kind of stand and and come. And uh, any question you have, let's just take advantage of this time because you're here with Marvin Sack. Oh, man, that's cool. So anybody, there's a question right here. Wait, we're going to bring the mic over to you. I'll bring the mic to you.
2: When did you decide that you wanted to sing gospel music for your life's work? You know what? It's funny. I've been singing since the age of four. So 41 years ago, I started singing gospel. And believe it or not, at the age of 10, my mother made me make a choice. She told me at 10 years old, she said, Marvin, either you're going to sing in church or you're going to sing secular, but you can't do both. And honestly, at the age of 10, I chose to sing gospel music, and I've never turned back. And that's the true, That's a true story. Ten years old, I've decided to sing gospel music, and I've done it all my life, and, and I've learned that, you know, you can be successful singing gospel music. You can sell a few million ringtones singing gospel music. <laughs> so, so I'm appreciative of gospel music. It's been good to me. Next question.
1: Hey. Um... What effect do you think that the recent advancements in internet um, distribution has had on
2: gospel Am- amazing i mean for me it 's been like everything to be honest with you I mean the internet piece the iTunes piece you know people being able to go in and directly download you know and not having to go directly to a store but have everything already set up uh, where they could just completely download our records and even from the standpoint of all the artwork and things it's... It's been amazing to me. I think, I don't know exact numbers, but last year we had huge numbers. I mean, two years ago, our numbers were huge from internet sales alone. So, you know, I'm appreciative. And then again, you know, the downloads as it pertains to, um, you know, ringbacks and ringtones and all that kind of stuff. Serious. I mean, I did two million. I'm the first gospel artist ever in the history of music business to go platinum in ringtones. So, I mean, I think that's just, it's amazing. And that's because how media is today. Um, my children say thank you.
0: <laughs>
2: Anybody have another question?
0: Um, out of all the songs that you've written, what song would you say is your favorite?
2: Out of the songs that I've written, oof. Oh. Uh... The one that I feel that ministers to me as well. You know, it's funny, my music, don't, it ministers to me, but not like people would think. Um, because when you're singing and when you're writing, even though you're writing from your own personal perspective, you're writing so that it will help somebody else. Um, it, my favorite songs are not mine. That's terrible, ain't it? Um, like, like one of my favorite songs on the face of the earth is a song called Let Go and Let God. Um, I mean, that song, Dwayne Woods. You know it was written by P.J. Morton, but that's like my favorite song. I sang that song every day while my wife was sick. And then after um, her passing, uh, my favorite song is by the Williams Brothers, and it's called "I'm Still Here." And uh, But you know, if you were to ask me what song I think ministers most to people, of course, I would say never would have made it. You know, and that's what everybody want to hear. like even one of the people here that. said, you don't say never would have made it, <laughs> no. Nah. Not today. You should have got me last night. Now,
1: now I, wait. I got. I, I need to inject something here. You you were supposed to say my favorite song in the whole wide world is God favor is, me. No, Hezekiah Walker. <laughs> I'm sold out. <laughs> now honestly, that
2: is one of my favorite. Up to when my church sings that, I really jump in. And And Bishop Walker knows. Like we went on tour in '98, and I was like. They sang a song with me, and then I jumped in the choir. That's
1: right, that's right.
2: And I was in the choir, and, I, you know, I just couldn't take it more. They change keys too many times. <laughs> they go too high, and I just, I, I was passing out on stage. It was just, a, <laughs> but, but, yeah, that, I think Never Would Have Made It would be, would be the song that I think has the most impact. Um, but my favorite song that I've written is a song called Calling Me. Mm. And that's, like, the first song I wrote that I recorded, and that's, like, 17 years ago. Yeah, but it's on iTunes. (laughs) Okay, next question.
1: (laughs) Y'all funny to me. It's air conditioning. This is good. Let's keep the questions coming. Absolutely.
0: If you don't mind sharing, can you tell us your biggest obstacle professionally and how God brought you through it?
2: You know, nobody's ever asked me that question. My biggest obstacle professionally... Hmm. My biggest obstacle professionally was leaving commission because I didn't want to leave. But I was doing so much, I had to let something go. And at that point, I had a solo career. Um, I just had my son. Uh, I was traveling like crazy as a preacher. And my life was, I was gone like 27 days a month. So I kind of thought that if I left commissioned, honestly, true story, I thought if I left commissioned that my life would slow down, but it never did. It never did. And I think the obstacle was the fear of leaving something that I was so comfortable with to be by myself and to have to go it alone and couldn't depend upon four or five other brothers to be there but it was all on me. Uh, That that was huge, trust me, for a young man with a young family to walk away from the top group in the country at that point, that was huge. Next question.
0: Yes. Thank you. How do you uh, encourage young people to open themselves up more to gospel music and the message that it may have, especially in our time when so much music doesn't really guide, but right. it, it just speaks at a situation or reflects on something, but it doesn't instruct.
2: I feel you. You know, I think I think what has happened is is in the music business that it's, and Bishop Walker can attest to it, I mean, it's, it's really been dumbed down. Um, lyrical content has no potency or power and but but I think that when when people go through young and old, uh, they need a message of hope, and they look for us I've learned that they really do they they look for messages of hope that will encourage and will uplift and you know that's why I never would have made it. it became such a humongous hit that the thugs were singing it, you know. I can remember being in a city, and uh, pulling up next to a car, and it was the loudest music I'd ever heard in my life. It was, the bass was pumping, and da 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 da, boom! I was like, "This is ridiculous! How can this boy even hear this?" And the song went off, and then the next song that came up was "Never Would Have Made It," and it was just as loud. I was like, "Man, man!" So, so they look for it, and and I think that. You know, if, if we as, as artists just keep our message clear that when they get in a place that's a type, they'll find it. They will.
0: Have you ever um, been um, asked or even tempted to go on to secular music? Never. Never. Next never. question.
2: <laughs> never. I've been asked. No, I've been asked, but I never asked. You. I believe very strongly that you can only sing what you have a conviction for. I, I believe that. I believe that if you don't have a conviction for it, you can't sing it. I know that I would not be a good secular artist because I enjoy what they do. I mean, like my favorite singer in the world is Teddy Pendergrass. A whole lot of y'all don't know who Teddy is. You know, Teddy was way before y'all. Teddy, Teddy was doing tours for ladies-only tours where men could even get into place, and he was selling out stadiums. So y'all said y'all young, y'all don't remember that. And he was telling them, turn off the lights, light a candle, and underwear was flying everywhere. This is all on the stage. And it's just Teddy Pentecost, close the door. I mean, so, uh, I, but I know that that wouldn't be my strength because I don't have a passion for it. I don't have a conviction for it. So you, I think that you have to sing what you have a conviction for in order to be successful. So, yeah. Last question. Last one. Five, four, three, two,
0: one. Hi, Marvin. Um Well, Bishop Sapp.
2: No, I'm not, <laughs> not Bishop. That's Bishop. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't even want it, trust me. It's coming, it's coming. I tell you all the time, uh-uh, no, never, never, ever, no.
0: Since yeah. this is the last question, do you mind singing a, a line or two of He Has His Hands on You? Ooh. <laughs> he sees the tears you cry, and he shares
2: the pain inside. Sometimes
0: you wonder why he allows you to go through what you go through. Just know he has his hands on. He has his hands on you. He said he would see you through.
2: When you cry, he's holding you. So just lift your hands up high. He will provide.
0: Just know he has his hands on
1: you... Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Marvin Sapp, y'all! Woo! Yeah, y'all can stand to your feet, come on! One more time, let's hear it for Mr. Marvin Sapp, everybody, come on! Yeah! Great.